in an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Hey Ghoulsters, welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-host. On this show, we fan ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn from it too. If you have always loved Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky oasis. We are officially just two weeks away from the premiere of probably the most highly anticipated film ever for Ghoulsters, and that is Hocus Pocus 2. I am beyond excited to be changing things up for you this week. Being completely honest, I knew Hocus Pocus was an absolute must cover this year specifically, but if you have been around since the original podcast, I just couldn't think of a way to top the way we covered it the first time. I mean, we covered things to do in Salem, the movie, behind the scenes production stuff, and we even had our first guest interview with the creator of the Hocus Pocus Lego set. It is so awesome to see that here we are two years later and her Lego set is in production, you guys. So as you can tell, it was a pretty epic episode, in my opinion. So I thought, why not share that episode instead? I think the original listeners will love revisiting a TGM episode. And those of you who never got a chance to hear it, you are in for a treat. It's pretty wild going back and hearing how different things were just two years ago. This episode in particular was our first season finale ever. I'm getting so many warm, fuzzy, nostalgia feelings, honestly. You guys must know Poppy, a.k.a. Halloween is my happy place by now. And she has been one of our most loyal ghoulsters ever. And I'll never forget she reached out to me after this specific episode and talked about how she was totally vibing to it on her way to work with the bag she bought on her trip to Salem. And Poppy, I hope you know you were the reason I kept going. I always remember that, that feeling that you expressed. You guys all know it's the reason I created this world. So long story short, we are here two years later and still creating those magical spooky vibes for you guys. Anyway, I'm starting to digress. I know this episode is super long, so that is why I am releasing this one two weeks early so that hopefully you have time to get through all of it before the premiere. The original episode is already really long, so for today I'm going to skip all of our usual segments, but I did want to have some co-host fun and share some updates to the episode you'll be hearing today. But before we jump into all the nostalgic TGM fun um, for our bloody bingers, we will still include that after the TGM episode plays with a fun little, I guess, follow up to the episode, some thoughts on the sequel, all the good stuff. But let's jump right into all things Hocus Pocus. So, of course, the first question I had to ask you guys was, why do you love this movie? And number one across the board The answer was the nostalgia. So many of you listed the nostalgia, and I feel like that's probably the perfect time to bring in some TGM nostalgic vibes too. Like, let's just make it an all-over magical ghoulster nostalgic vibe. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, but some of the other answers were, Lalik said, because Sarah sang the song and I came a run in. It's a well-balanced movie with spook and cute, end quote. That is a great way to put it. It really does have all the spooky cute vibes. Daniela Gieman Photography said, I was little when the movie came out. I felt like I could relate to Danny, end quote. Oh my gosh, yes. That is why I always love the movie to this day. 
I know we're going to get into it. I asked you guys who your favorite Sanderson sister was. But for me, the witch that I have always resonated the most with is Danny. Like to this day, I don't understand why they don't make an adult Danny costume for this. Honestly, I know Spirit finally made the kids version, but I'm like, I'm here for the adult version, please. Uh, Wild Rose 01 said the fact that it's a unique movie. There's no other movie like it. End quote. Guys, when I read this, I had to like stop and think about it for a while. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of true. There really isn't another movie that encompasses everything Hocus Pocus does. But also like, why not? Why do we not have more spooky cute movies like this? Okay, and then Fallen Halloween said, this movie lives rent free in my spooky heart, end quote. And I just really wanted to throw that thought in here because I feel like a lot of us can relate to it. And it's just such a cute little quote. All right. So I asked you guys, which witch is your favorite Sanderson sister? I was really curious about this one. And I was really surprised by the answers. So, of course, Winnie won by 47%. But the interesting part was that Mary and Sarah were both tied at 27%. So that means that about half of you ghoulsters are Team Winnie and half of you are Team Secondary Sisters. (laughs) Uh, I honestly cannot pick a favorite sister. I think... (sighs) I don't know. Like, I love all of them for different reasons, but I do know that the most relatable one for me is Winifred, especially when it comes to the ghoulmates, because it's just like I'm just constantly like stressed. I know I have talked about this before, but I'll never forget when we talked about this the first time on TGM. Poppy reached out to me to tell me that I was totally Winifred because of the stress. She she always tells me, don't be Winnie. Uh, So I feel like Definitely, I think TGM Mandy Spooks is Winifred, but like real Mandy behind the scenes is Mary because pretty much that's what I am. I like to eat snacks and watch TV, (laughs) you know, Uh, and I think Sarah, I think someone had mentioned in some of our co-host comments that Sarah was just the witch that everybody wanted to be when they were kids. And now we grow up and we realize that we're actually just Mary. (laughs) Okay, and then I asked you guys, what was your one favorite line? Because I'm not going to lie to you guys. I asked you guys what your favorite moments were in the movie and you guys flooded my DMs or not my DMs, but like that little commentary answer. And it made me realize that there is totally room to make a whole new Ghoulster version of this Hocus Pocus episode, which I'm sure we will eventually do. I have your answer saved. But I was just like, okay, in the interest of time because this is a lengthy episode let's narrow it down to one favorite line so I think the ultimate ghoulster favorite across the board is another glorious morning makes me sick (laughs) how did I do I'll never be Winifred I don't even know why I try okay and then Alice in Wanderlash said Max likes your yabos my kids always ask me what that means end quote I had to include that one because I thought it was funny Yana Loves Mitchie said, pull over, let me see your driver's license. Like, oh my God, laughing hysterically emoji, <laughs> end quote. Uh, hauntingly cute mom said, tis firm by Sarah Sanderson, end quote. Oh my gosh, I should have just done all of them so I would have had the opportunity to reenact the entire movie for you guys. <laughs> there she glows again said, of all the witches working, I'm the worst, end quote. <laughs> 
I love this one because I never thought about this line. But once Jess said it, I was like, oh, my God, that is an iconic line. Why don't we use that one more often? (laughs) Often. Okay, and then Poppy said, trying to make me cry this early in the episode, Poppy. She said, I shall always be with you. That one deserved a moment. Okay. And Samantha ESP said, I haven't OD'd. I haven't even had one piece by Danny. (laughs) Okay. I thought that was a nice little way to get you guys in the mood. I also tried to pick some of like the less common ones because some of the more common ones were, of course, uh, when the angel says, bless you, and the witches scream. Uh, So I was trying to go with kind of like... The more different ones that we don't always think about, which, by the way, Lexi from Hauntingly Cute, I'm very surprised because she's been very vocal this season about how she's not the biggest fan of Hocus Pocus, but she knew quite a bit. So that is a very fair, like, opinion to have is actually like knowing the content and having an opinion on it. So major respect. (laughs) Okay, so, of course, Something that we did not used to have on the TGM podcast originally, I think it came in like season two or three, was it's freaking bats. So we're going to do a really quick one today. On a scale of one to five bats, how many bats did Ghoulsters give Hocus Pocus? Guys. We were at 4.9999 bats. Not a five, but I think that's probably the closest we're ever going to get to a five on this show. So I'm going to count it. I think Hocus Pocus is the first five bat film on the show. All right. As for me, I am going to give it five bats as well. You guys will hear me fangle over it in the TGM episode. But long story short, this movie came out when I was a kid. Like we said, I resonated with Danny. It was the beginning of my entire spooky love story. To this day, I still feel that the graphics hold up, the special effects is what I'm talking about, the acting, no one will ever hold a freaking, I don't even know what the the saying is, like no one will ever come anywhere close to how iconic Bette Midler was in this role. And just overall, like, I can't say a bad thing about this movie five bats. It is what it is. (laughs) All right. So we're still going to discuss our predictions and thoughts about the sequel after the original Ghoulmates episode plays. But before we jump into that archive, I wanted to address a few updates to it. First, I thought I would never get the opportunity to officially write this wrong, you guys. I have been mortified for two years that I called Elvira the mistress of darkness in this episode. I know she is the mistress of the dark, but sometimes you just get stuff wrong when you're on the spot because this was pre-scripted profesh Mandy Spooks. I was still finding my podcast professionalism, so you're going to have to cut me a little break. Also, you will be hearing an interview, as I mentioned, with the creator of the Hocus Pocus Lego set idea. Her name is Amber. I am very happy to share that two years ago we were helping her campaign to get her idea picked up and we are sitting here as it is in production now we don't have any official dates but she did say it's coming in 2023 and she's very excited for the release and without further ado let's grave dig into the tgm vault 
Welcome, foolish goosters, to the podcast that keeps the spirit of Halloween alive all year through pop culture and nostalgia. And now, it's Love at First Fright with the Ghoulmates. Hi guys, I'm your ghost hostess, Mandy. And I'm your master of ceremonies, Rudy. And, and we, we are... Celebrating our, our first season finale! Oh my Winifred! In case the introduction didn't give it away, we have a spooktacular Hocus Pocus episode for you ghoulsters today. Sometimes the stars just align and a magical episode comes together. We are so excited to share that we have a spooky surprise! We have our first interview to share with you at the end of this episode. Some of you may have seen the Hocus Pocus Lego set that has been making its way through social media and the internet. Well, we have had the pleasure of speaking with the mastermind behind the idea this past week. Her name is Amber and she lives in Belgium. She is such a sweetheart and we had such a heartwarming conversation with her about the Lego set and her love for the movie. So we can't wait to share that with you at the end of the episode today. Now, the reason I say sometimes the stars just align is because the new Hocus Pocus board game was just released. So in honor of Amber, we are celebrating Hocus Pocus this entire episode to get you as hyped as we were to hear from her. So we'll be having a quick discussion about the movie and give you ghosters a full review on the new game and let you know if it's worth buying this Halloween season. So since we have a spooktacular Hocus Pocus season finale celebration to get to, we have some haunted housekeeping. So we cannot end the final episode of the season without having a moment of reflection we are unbelievably grateful and shocked and just so at a loss for words um, to thank you guys for the amount of support we've received we just today we reached 500 followers on instagram and about two days ago or three i don't even know everything's a blur alvira the mistress of darkness shared one of our photos that Rudy took, of course. And it's just been amazing to see the kind of support we received in just one season. Oh, yeah. It was uh, an honor for her to share that picture. How did you feel? You took that picture. It was it was just amazing. Uh, I've been following her career for a very long time. Uh, I remember seeing her on MTV uh, a few years back uh, when they had music videos. <laughs> um, she used to have like a, a local it started as a local show that she did uh, Halloween specials and I know she went to Salem at one point um, so she's always, always been a big part of pop culture and for a piece of pop culture to recognize something that you've done is just crazy it's so cool yeah and it was so unexpected so that was just awesome and before we move forward, I also have to just give you a major shout out that you've just done an incredible job of bringing this idea of mind together to life. The pictures speak for themselves. I mean, the fact that Elvira shared it was just like so reassuring for us to feel like we are going in the right direction. And so I just have to tell you that I see your hard work behind the scenes. I mean, you put so much into each and every photo, the podcast. And I want to tell you thank you. No problem. For being my You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I wanted to thank the fans for, you know, for all their amazing support. Um, I do all this stuff for you guys. 
I want to create content for you guys to get you excited about spooky things, about Halloween, and just kind of um, keep everybody young because I think that we all need that um, feeling as we get older just to feel young and, you know, feel energized. And I think that goes a long way when you have to, like, stay at home or come home from a long day of work. Um, you know, we do all this to, for you guys. So, you know, keep on bringing in the comments and see if you have something that you want me to try to do. Let me know. You know, I'm open to anything. This for is sure. for you guys. Um, uh, to be honest, like I've been working really hard to, you know, create this content and also work on season two and a couple of more things that we're uh, hopefully going to launch in the next couple of months. So I've been kind of concentrating on that. Um, so I didn't really touch too much on Hocus Pocus. But Mandy has been harder work making this fantastic episode all about Hocus Pocus. And, you know, this episode is in good hands. It's going to be awesome. And I'll, you know, sprinkle in a couple of tidbits here and there about what I know about Hocus Pocus. But, you know, let's rock this episode. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this I've talked about it before, but Hocus Pocus is kind of what founded my relationship with Halloween and my obsession with all things spooky year round. So I've been really excited to create this episode. We also wanted to give a special thank you to everyone who participated in our Instagram story survey. We appreciate your feedback so much and we're working to bring you a streamlined season two with some of the things you're asking for. Like Rudy said, he's been making adjustments to season two, getting ready for some new things to bring to the table for you guys to be extra excited this Halloween season. We know it's been some tough times this year and also just adjusting season two podcast episode. They're going to have some changes. Uh, that being said, we mentioned in the last episode that some segments will be going away to make more time for new things. So we're going to be keeping horror trivia, but we're shortening it to one question each. So, you know what that means. It's time for Horror Trivia. <laughs> Why is that funny? Is my spooky voice funny to you? Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm going to start hiding again to spook you. You promised. You took an oath. <laughs> okay, ready? Ready. What actress plays Claire Spencer in the movie What Lies Beneath? What Lies Beneath? Did it, does it have a... A year on there? No. Claire Spencer. What lies beneath? I don't know. Who is it? Michelle Pfeiffer. Huh. I always uh, thought her last name's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is a pretty awesome actress. Okay. Oh, which actress plays a psychotherapist who enters the mind of a comano comanose, comatose serial killer in the 2000 film the cell. Pues no sé. Jennifer Lopez. Yes, I don't know who yes. she plays though, so. Yeah, which actress? Jennifer oh, Lopez. I thought it said what was the name of no, the doctor. No, oh. which actress played the psychotherapist? Jennifer Lopez. I'm on a roll. Bitty, bitty, bum, bum. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Halloween news? You well, wanna? Yeah, I can, I can knock out some Halloween news. Um, I think you showed this to me. John Carpenter's Halloween, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5 is being re-released in theaters and drive-ins this October. Very cool stuff. I don't know why they don't have Halloween 2 or 3 in there, but that's okay. 
I think that's pretty cool. It's because I'm guessing he didn't do part two and three, right? Um, I don't know, but I know that, you know, Season of the Witch has nothing to do with Michael Myers, so I'm pretty sure that's why they're not showing that one. Um, this is also really cool. Uh, Orlando is innovating right now for Halloween. They are creating, or a company is creating an attraction that will come out this Halloween season where it'll be a drive through I guess, haunted house event called the haunted road, where I guess it's like a no content or no content, no <laughs> contact haunted house where you kind of drive through and it's like all spooky and stuff. I'm not too sure the details, but it's, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I'm thinking it's probably too late for it to catch on by October, but I'm really hoping that it like spreads quickly and everyone pulls it together because yeah. I'd love to do something like that. How cool would it be if it was like on a track, like in, when you go to the the car wash and it oh, grabs onto yeah. your tire and you can't move. Dang, that is so good. That'd be pretty cool. That's genius. Thank and, you. <laughs> and then last piece of news. You guys, there's so much news right now. Just really quick. You should totally be following us on Instagram because I'm sharing the news like to the minute as we receive it to our story. So we're just giving you like the highlights of the last week mm-hmm. pretty much. So be sure to follow our Instagram because all this news... Is like coming at you every single day. <laughs> Nestle Toll House just released Hocus Pocus Oatmeal Peanut Butter Cookie Dough. And I am on a major witch hunt for them. So if anyone finds out where they're at, like Target, Walmart, Fries, Safeway, Albertsons, those are all stores in Arizona. Please let me know because I need them. Rudy needs to take pictures of them stat. <laughs> I've seen your uh, Hocus Pocus Witch Walk Hunting for stuff. It's true. It's a real thing. I it's do a real it. thing. I remember I saw it one time, the first time at Walmart. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you're like, it's from Hocus Pocus. I was like, I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's more to come regarding that walk later this episode. Yes. Uh, so that was a quick summary of Halloween news. Okay. So let's get this started. For those of you who don't know, Hocus Pocus was released July 16th, 1993. Quick little fun fact, it was scheduled to come out in October of that year, but Nightmare Before Christmas and Adam's Family Values were coming out that year. So they pushed it to the summer and it didn't perform as well and people thought it was a total flop. And guess what? Here we are hosting episodes about this amazing movie that was pushed to the summer. So brushed aside with a broom. Yep. I don't know. I was trying to cover up with something clever. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me uh, cover all the cleverness for you today. Just kidding. <laughs> all right. So for those of you who have not seen it or are dying to tune in, it is available on Disney Plus, of course. And I'm sure it'll be uh, shown on Freeform's 31 Nights of Halloween at some point. Right. So be sure to tune into it. Uh, so here's a quick summary of what the movie is about. After moving to Salem, Massachusetts, teenager Max Dennison explores the abandoned Sanderson sister's house with his sister, Danny, and their new friend, Allison. After mocking Allison's story about the Sanderson sisters, Max lights the black flame candle and wakes the evil witches. (laughs) With the help of a magical cat, Binks, the kids must steal the witches' book. 
to stop them from becoming immortal and wreaking havoc on the world. Don't forget that he was also a virgin. <laughs> I'm That's still like trying the most to important save part. the shame for him. <laughs> You're just a virgin that lights black flame candles. <laughs> if anyone gets that reference, reach out to us and we will send you a free prize because Boom. that would be classic. Okay, so a little bit of background. I thought these things were so interesting. Did you know that the movie was actually just a bedtime story that the producer David Kirshner used to tell his kids? I didn't know that. Uh, I think during our research, um, I heard about that and you told me about it and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, our familiar actually told me something he would have been interested in learning in this episode was if the witches were based on like real Salem characters or anything and they weren't he was just sitting outside and his neighbor's black cat like passed by and he like invented this story to tell his kids his his young daughter actually about how the cat was once a boy who was changed into a cat 300 years ago by the crazy witches and so the movie was actually not even ever supposed to be like a thing no not a thing but like the lighthearted comedy it is now oh, it was yeah. actually originally whoa oops <laughs> was that a ghost or a witch i think it's winifred oh she's angry she's looking for her book <laughs> it was supposed to be like a, a darker take right on a, yes, a witch story it had a darker direction and it was about the kids being terrorized by the witches um and the the kids were like a lot younger than the teens Max and Allison mm -hmm. are in the actual movie. So it was slightly more messed up and a little more terrifying too. And Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to play Max. Um, so yeah, but then the funnier film came out later and it was also supposed to be called Halloween House. Mm, so interesting. That, that what I want to know is like, how did they even come up with Hocus Pocus? Like it didn't exist, the Ho name. Hocus Pocus has always existed. Has it? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know because I grew up on Hocus Pocus, so I figured that the movie was its own thing. No, Hocus Pocus has been around for a, a good while now. How did it even come to be? I should have looked this up. You know what? It's probably in that Halloween book that we have. I bet oh, you it's in there. Oh, okay. We should look into it. We will be back with more on the origination of Hocus Pocus in season mm -hmm. two. <laughs> okay. Um, so here are some things that I found interesting about making the movie. So the, and I think it's funny, the original pitch that the movie makers did, they like spread candy corn, or as I like to call it, corn candy, corn candy, across the presentation table so that the potential investors could smell Halloween, like that, put them in the mood for okay, it. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And, um, some of the, the behind the scenes things that I saw you watching, uh, mentioned, I think it was the director who was talking about how a lot of like the most iconic scenes from the movie weren't even like actually planned or scripted or like this made up thing just for the movie. Mm -hmm. Like one of them was the calming circle. Uh -huh. um, that came to be because they all like the production people behind the scenes got so frustrated and like stressed and someone was like we need to have a calming circle mm -hmm. and then someone was like that needs to be in the movie <laughs> and it reminded me of this weekend we were having a photo shoot and I said something that I'm not going to give away yet because it's coming up on Instagram and then you were like that's a quote for our Instagram posts and mm -hmm. I was like oh yeah so it was really interesting to hear 
that sometimes even the movies happen that way. And uh, I had said earlier we would kind of touch on it, but the the hunt walk that the witches do, uh, that was actually something that the actresses put together. Mm. Um, they like put it together and they pitched it to the director and were like, hey, can we do this walk when we're like hunting for kids? <laughs> and the director was like, oh, I'm not sure if Disney's going to go for that. So let's shoot two versions of it. <laughs> yeah, that does happen a lot. And it's crazy because, you know, they're really strict on how they shoot back when they were shooting film because it was expensive to shoot extra stuff. Oh, yeah. So they must have like trusted like the actresses to, you know, to do that, you know? Yeah, for sure. And like for me, watching the behind the scenes with you, I was just like so in awe that the witches like brought these characters to life. Right. Like it could have been so easy to mess those characters up like for the Mm -hmm. movie to just be a complete joke right um and you just see like bet midler in this like random room like in the movie you see her like powerful in the scene Mm -hmm. with the actual power showing and like she just has this amazing talent to like envision that herself and know like this is how it's gonna look and this is how i want it to be portrayed um it was just so crazy to see that they're dealing with nothing do you kind of like want to explain more of how the things were shot so people can get what i'm saying well i mean it's interesting you said that because you know these characters never existed so like it was up to her to figure out what that was so she had all this free range to you know create this person really so you know she didn't have to live up to anything really like she Sorry. Go ahead. She didn't, but that's what's crazy to me. Like to have nothing to go off of. Right. Like how do you how did she even come to think like this is how her accent's gonna sound and she's gonna sound powerful by putting emphasis in these words and she's gonna be like mean but in a confident way. Like it's just so crazy how she like invented this iconic character out of like just her own like imagination just just, yeah just research imagination you know when they're in the table reads and everybody's kind of reading the script and going through the scenes you know you start to develop these little nuances for the characters but you know when you have a totally new character you pretty much can do whatever you want and develop it the way you want and not have to be restrained by something that was written before like if she was doing something that shakespeare had had written originally you would have to be, you know, constrained to those rules. Mm-hmm. And in this, she pretty much did whatever she wanted. And plus, it's Bette Midler. So she was already big at that point. So she could do whatever she wanted. And they got her. I'm pretty sure they got her specifically for that role because she was that, you know, character already. Yeah. But um, I don't know. What else would you what do you do want to know about um, the film? What about like the way they fly their brooms? So I was looking, I remember um, there was this show called, I think it's called Movie Magic that came on the Discovery Channel. And they, and I loved it growing up. I would just watch that all the time and they would show behind the scenes of all these movies and uh, Hocus Pocus was featured in one of the episodes. And they talked heavily on mostly the flying aspect of the movie. They mm-hmm. talk, They talked about, um, uh, what's that guy's name? The zombie guy? Billy Butcherson. They talked about him and how he had like the moths in his mouth and how when he cut open his mouth, there was actual moths and dust and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And and that was easy. They used like this latex pack that was in his mouth. So when he cut it open, they would just fly out. It wasn't hard or anything, but they concentrated mostly on the flying aspect. And they used um, three different techniques for the flying. They had, I think they had, you know, wire work where they had like a harness built into their costumes, uh-huh. which was heavy, but it could like support like, I think, 1200 pounds for each rig. Um, they had a crane, which would they would sit on, and it was be it would be operated by all these um, technicians mm-hmm. uh, to make them fly, and then they had miniatures that they used. Um, uh, they weren't digital; they had like a puppeteer put them together and sculpt them, and then they would shoot them in front of a blue screen. Um, you know the wire work. Uh, they would use those mainly for like the wide shots. Mm -hmm. So you would have like the kids running around trying to escape the the witches and they would go after them. You know, those are big wide shots. And all this is done in a soundstage. You wouldn't be able to do it cheaply like in Salem or somewhere outside. Right. So all this is on the soundstage. The cranes too, uh, they're also done in a soundstage and those were used for the close-ups. So... Um, you would have these technicians like pretty much like a seesaw pushing up Bette Midler oh, man. and the other actresses <laughs> and they're just like delivering their lines and the camera's like right in front of their face but they can just concentrate on that scene because mm-hmm. the close-ups are the most important scenes. That, that's the the best you want to get out of your actor. And then the miniatures, you they use those for like the even wider shots for like scenes in Salem where they weren't going to go over there and blow up something and then have them flying around or have them flying really fast. Right. Cause they can't reproduce that in real life. You can do that now digitally, but you know, they had like those different techniques uh, and they've been, ar- it's been around for a long time. Like I think one of the other major movies where they had people flying was, um, I want to say like ET or Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. So they had wire work, you know, in those movies too. But um, yeah, it, the wire work stuff, it's, it's really dangerous. I think there was a story about how uh, Bette Miller's character swooped down to get one of the kids and the director want, wanted her to get as close as possible. And Bette Midler thought that she hit Thor Birch's character, but, but she just ended up like knocking off her hat, but she stopped the production and yelled cut and she freaked out. She thought, she hit the girl or she hit Thora Birch. So she ran over there to make sure she was okay. I think she did hit her. You know, she might've, um, there's a, a bunch of like different Hollywood stories. Uh, you know what? I think I might've seen Thora Birch talk about that, that she nicked her during the shoot. So th- that might've been it. Um, but you know, it's dangerous when you're on set and you have full grown human beings flying at other people, <laughs> you know, there are tons of, um, horror stories that we won't get into about uh, how people get really injured on set. So it's a, a, a hard job, um, but it's crazy because a majority of the stunts, I think all the stunts, the witches did them. Like they were in the air doing those things. Sarah Jessica Parker, she said that she loved flying around. Bette Midler, I saw a shot of her um, in the rig where she f- would flip upside down. Oh, with yeah. her, her broomstick. That was cool. What's uh, the other actress's name? Uh, I think it's uh, Catherine or Kathy or something like that. Kathy Najimi. Yeah. Uh, you know, she enjoyed it too. So, you know, it's fun, but it's, you know, it's dangerous. Um, another thing that I thought was really cool was there was a lot of stuff shot 
on location um, in Salem. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I really like about it. I know a lot of the scenes were shot uh, in the soundstage, like you had mentioned, because of the special effects. But I think something that's really awesome about this movie is that for the fans, they can go to Salem and see like multiple locations that were all shown in the movie. And as promised, we take feedback seriously. So a lot of our uh, fans and feedback said that they wanted to hear more about Halloween attractions and places to visit. So I'm going to share some of those locations from the movie with you guys today. I knew about some of them, but I didn't know just how many locations there are that you can see. These are all in Salem or multiple places? They are all in Salem. Very cool. Yeah. Um, So the first one is not actually shown in the movie that I'm aware of, but but it's a must see because it has a famous Winifred statue. So it's called Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery. And I actually looked up the statue because I wanted to see if it was the one where she turns into a statue at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. And it's not, uh, but it still looks really cool. It's like a life size Mm -hmm. color figure of her almost. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah. So I definitely think someone should create that statue from the end of the movie. Like, why hasn't that been done? If anyone knows that it has been done, please let us know. I wonder if somebody has the actual statue that was in the film. Oh, I know, right? That would mm-hmm. be crazy. Do you think it was real? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was like like plaster or something. Something uh, super light and inexpensive to make. That would be really cool. Um, so Winifred's not a real witch, right? It's a No, she's made okay, up. Cool. So all of, uh, as far as I know, they were like made up characters. They weren't based on anything other than the producer's imagination. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Uh, and okay, so the next one is Salem Common and it's where a lot of the outdoor scenes were filmed and it's really cool because the movie's shown there every year for haunted happenings. And before I forget, you guys can learn more about all of these locations at Salem.org. So they're real, they're certified. It's a really legitimate website. Legit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. And then the next one is the old burial hill and it's a cemetery and you'll recognize this one it's the scene where max encounters ice and jay for the first time and this one's not in salem but it's really nearby in marblehead and it's one of the oldest graveyards in new england so it's spooky max uh encounters ice and jay max the virgin that lit the black flame candle what's your deal why are you hating on max because he was trying to be all cool And he's like, I don't believe in... Actually, I'm Max because I don't believe in ghosts. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So now I'm going to call you Max. You're just a little leaker. Hey, I forgot (laughs) to talk about that too. Okay, side note. One of my favorite parts of the movie is when they... um, Max and his sister go trick-or-treating and they're leaving a house. But then those thugs... um, Thugs? Who are you right now? Ice and Jay... They're not thugs. They're little thugs. I'm an old man. You sound really old right now. I'm an old man and I'm going to call these kids thugs. Wow. Sorry. Um, They won't let him pass without paying the toll. And Thor Birch's character gets in an argument with them. And they're like, hey, what are you supposed to be? And she says, of course. And I think she was trying to make him seem tough, but it embarrassed him. She says... 
Because she's a kid. She's a kid. She's trying to stand up for her big brother. (laughs) For your information, he's a little leaguer. (laughs) I cannot stop laughing when she says that line because it's the best line ever (laughs) of the movie, I think. (laughs) So, therefore, that's why I called him a little leaguer. Leave Max alone. He also helps them get rid of her. That's true. He is the hero. So the next location on our list is the Old Town Hall. And this one's my favorite one because it's actually from my favorite scene in the movie. And it's where the Halloween, the big Halloween dance party is happening. And I have to say that this movie... I mean, this scene is probably one of like my favorite scenes in any movie. Right. Because Bette Midler freaking kills it. That's true. Like her performance is phenomenal. Yeah. Like as a singer, I'm like, oh my God, I would die if I could sing that song at a huge Halloween party like that. And just in general, like it's my dream to also just go to a party of that caliber, I guess. Right. Like the amount of thought that went into every costume in that scene. That's true. And then the band, like you could tell it was just like a good band playing music you want to dance to all night or dance until you die, I should say. Yes. Yeah, because all those costumes, they were all different. So the designer had to think about each person, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, and they're not... um, Just store-bought costumes yeah that and like it was like every single person at that party had a legit costume right like i wish i could go to a party where like every single thing about the party was legit i don't know (laughs) yeah uh so i we sidetracked again a little back on track so the party took place at the old town hall and you can visit that in salem i think it's like considered a museum now and you can visit it and i think they do tours um, and another thing that actually happens at that town hall is they have performances of Cry Innocent, which is a critically acclaimed live reenactment of the witchcraft examination of Bridget Bishop. And you get to be the jury of the trials. Interesting. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the famous one is Ropes Mansion, which is Allison's house, the big party that Max and Danny show up at and meet Allison for the first time. Uh, So the mansion is the most prominent 18th century home in Salem and it's owned by the Peabody Essex Museum and the gardens located in the rear of the property are free to visit and open to the public. Okay and then the last uh, location I noted was the Pioneer Village, which is like the Salem Village that's shown at the very beginning of the movie. And it's a living history museum located at Salem's Forest River Park. And the Pioneer Village was built in 1930. And so it's America's first living history museum, pretty much. And Wow, that's cool. Yeah, they give tours of the village and usually, normally, understand normal circumstances uh the tours are offered june through september and today the park is sorry today the park is home to different events and festivals throughout the year nice you know what i've never had the want to go to salem but after doing all this stuff with hocus pocus and with you i really want to go now i know and check out all these cool things Yeah, it's my dream to go for Halloween. And it would be amazing if we could somehow make it happen with our familiar. 
Yes, we must take our familiar. For sure. Okay, so I hope that was enough background for you guys. Are you hyped to hear about the Hocus Pocus board game? I'm pretty hyped. I'm I want this episode to end already so we can play, play again. <laughs> Cuz we're going to beat those Anderson sisters. Yes. Let's get into it. Yeah, okay. So, the official name of the game is Raven Burgers from the novel. I mean, sorry. From the movie Disney Hocus Pocus, The Game. The Game. So the board game is made by Ravensburger. It's $20 and available at most major retailers. Although I will let you know that if you're still waiting on your pre-order from Amazon, check your local Target because we almost had to postpone this episode. But we were able to cancel our Amazon order that wasn't going to arrive until late August and get it in store at Target. No bueno. So if you're waiting, check your local stores. Okay, so initial impressions of the game for me were I was instantly not a fan of the reimagined artwork of the of the sisters. Okay. Uh, in general, I usually am not though. Like I'm very picky about how my Sanderson sisters are drawn, to be honest. So seeing the game, I was already kind of like, eh, it looks kind of whatever's. Um, the pictures kind of made the look game look bland in my opinion. And then when I saw it in person at the shelves in Target, I completely changed my perspective. Like I really didn't think the pictures gave it justice, to be honest. Mm -hmm. What was your first impression? Um, well, we went, we went to go get the game. I remember you told me, Hey, we're going to get this game. I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. I didn't really think much about it. Um, I was kind of like whatever when we found out the Amazon order was going to take forever and you're like, we're going to go to target now. I was like, okay. When I first saw it, it looked like a kid's game. Like I thought it was in the wrong section because <laughs> you know, when you go to target, they have like all the board games and you could clearly see which one was one for the kids, one for the adults. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was a little, it looked like a little book. thought it was a kid's game, but I didn't really think much about it after we got it. That's fair. Um, okay, so I think the best way to explain this game is to just read the intro on their booklet because right off the bat, I'm just going to tell you we were pretty happy with the game and this is the best way to put it into words for you is just to read their own introduction. So, under the light of a full moon on All Hallows' Eve, you and your friends sneak into the old Sanderson house. On a dare, you light the black flame candle Surely the old stories are just a bunch of hocus pocus. Before you know it, the Sanderson sisters have come back from the dead, ready to brew their terrible potion and suck the lives from the children of Salem. It's up to you to ruin the witch's potion and put an end to their terrible deeds forever. Yikes. <laughs> um, so... Uh, initially, I was just like, all right, cool. Um... We get to try to beat the Sanderson sisters, but I think Rudy's first uh, issue with it was like, so you're working together, not against each other? Yeah, because we're not, because we are competitive, you and I sometimes. Yes. And we, and we like to play against each other. And, you know, I was like, I, as soon as I found out that we had to work together, I was like, that's lame. Like, who wins the game? Like, you want to win. Like, that's what the whole point of 
playing a game is to beat your opponent. Right. And so that was already, we were already like, oh, but we're going to keep doing it because it's for the podcast, right? We want right. to tell everyone if it's worth it. So the more we got into it, we were like, this is really well thought out. Yes. Like all the details of the game are just like so in tune with the movie. So to break down the game for you, basically what happens is there the board game is the cauldron, right? Right. And so the point is that you're working together to brew the perfect potion to stun the witches mm-hmm. uh, three times, which moves you to the sun. Yeah, the sun is rising. Right. So every time you stun a witch by creating the perfect potion together, you get closer to the sun to basically killing the sisters before sunrise. Yeah, because they um, in the movie they turn to stone, right? They turn to stone and then they like go poof. Yeah, because I think the whole idea is to keep stunning the witches um, while the sun rises. So you want to make it to sunrise. Right. And then every time you stun them... Sorry, I know it sounds kind of like, what? You're all over the place. Yeah. That's kind of how playing the game is. So before we go any further, we want to ask if you guys want a tutorial for the game, like a video tutorial, reach out and let us know because we really liked it and we want you to get past this confused stage. Yes, because once you get past it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. We had that same issue too. Like we were like, what the hell's going on here? And then we got it. And they were like, let's just start over because yes. it'll be so more satisfying we, if we do that. Yeah, we pretty much played one round that was like a get to figuring out what everything, how everything works round. And then we ended up playing two games after that. Right. So some of the details that I will share with you are as far as like how thought out it is and like the taste of the movie you get from it. Everything in the game is like directly pulled from the movie, which I really appreciated. I was really worried that it was going to be just a game thrown together with Hocus Pocus branding on it and just call it a day. Nothing really like Hocus Pocusy about it. And the ingredients in there are like actual ingredients pulled from the movie. So thine own tongue, dash of pox, dead man's toe, <laughs> <laughs> oil of boil and eye of newt. Um, and then I don't want to give away all the surprises from it, but I will say like the trick tokens, which are like tricks you're given to come together to beat the witches are also pulled from the movie. So one example of it is like one of them is called circle of salt, like the salt that mm-hmm. Allison puts around the house. And then the witches spells. So pretty much they have cards with um, spells from each of the witches. So like one of the spells is, is say Winifred's spell. And that one is called dance until you die. So they're based on the actual movie. And to put into perspective, like when you stun a witch, say you stun Winifred, right? Then she's stunned. And if you end up getting a witch to cast a spell at that time and it's Winifred, then it doesn't count because she's stunned. Yeah, exactly. It blocks um, her her magic, right? Yes. And and it's also like based on how powerful the witch's spells are. So like to stun Winifred, for example, is going to be harder to do than to stun Mary or Sarah. Right. Um, And then... I know, again, it sounds pretty confusing, but the instructions are like really clear and simple and broken down for you. I'll admit that 
I think any board game that you've never played is a learning curve. Like there's always, you always have to do one round to figure it out and really know how to play to do the second round, right? Right. Um, but this one was really clear and simple. Like we understood it pretty quickly. We've tried opening, say, the horrific game, which is the Universal Monsters one. I think it's horrified. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you're looking right at it. Oh, well, yeah. Um, so horrified was instantly like overwhelming. And we were like, we're going to need way more time to figure this game out. And we just put it away. But this one was pretty clear and easy to understand. Um, we did think that it was going to be really easy at first when it was like, mm -hmm. you get to play it together to try to beat the Sanderson sisters. Plus it looks like a kid's game. Yeah. So and it's it's first, it says it's ages eight and up. But the more we started playing, we got really into it. Yeah, it's a it's a strategy game. You have to, you know, it, it's kind of like Uno. It has that feeling kind of. Yes, it is kind of like Uno. And I would also say that I think the more people that play, the harder it's going to get. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you'll run out of cards. So pretty much the game goes until you run out of cards to play. Mm -hmm. Like kind of like Uno. Uh, so the more people you have, the more cards you're going to play. And I also think that playing with someone you really know, like really well, will help because you'll be on the same page of what strategy you're trying to use to right. beat them. Because you can't necessarily like talk about your strategy. There's rules. Right. I think we have a conspiracy theory about it, though. That's true. We do have a conspiracy theory. Do you want to tell them? Yeah, I think... I think this game is unbeatable because we get so close every time <laughs> we're like a card away and then like it doesn't work out. Yep. So I think this game is built to be unbeatable. And we even like and there's kind of cheated to try yeah. to beat it too. Like we were like, should I put this card in? Yeah. Or we'd go <clears throat> yeah. when I'm about to put a card. So I don't even know how it would go with multiple players with less cards. Yeah, for sure. I so, agree. Yeah. I, I don't know. It feels like it's one of those unbeatable games. Yeah. We're going to be playing it every night to see how long it takes for us to actually beat it. Because it's true. I couldn't find it again in the instructions, but there's a part of the book that says um, you might think it's going to be easy with your sisters, but don't under, I mean, with your friends. But don't underestimate the power of the Sanderson sisters. Right. And I'm like, that is so freaking true. Like, they still freaking win. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so it it becomes addicting because you're, like, trying so hard to beat the sisters that mm -hmm. are a freaking board game. <laughs> it's a conspiracy, I'm telling you. Yeah, so it's really cool, though. So do you have any um, opportunities or improvements this game could have had? Um, honestly, I hope that they, it becomes popular and they do like a special edition one where it's the actual book that they have in the movie. Yeah. That'd be really cool. And like, it has like a, an eye that follows you. Oh, that would be really cool. And then like, I don't know, some like skin feeling cards or something crazy or even a little furry, uh, Binks cat. Oh, a furry one. Yeah, instead so of the one that I think that'd be really cool. But it's a really good, it's a solid game. I, I agree. The only thing that I could think to say that could have been improved is the quality of the, the cards, the playing cards. Yeah, I could see that. Because the 
all the other pieces are done pretty well. Like the packaging right. is really nice. The board that is the cauldron uh-huh. is is good. Binks, who also plays his part in the game, is right. a cute little character. Yeah, it's wood. And the is he wood? It's wood, yeah. Oh wow. Binks is made out of wood. And the tricks you get to play are like actual they almost feel it's, like game cartridges. Yeah, it's like a uh, cardboard, like really hard compressed cardboard. It's thicker than the cards. Yeah. And but the cards themselves are really flimsy. Like the first shuffle I did, mm-hmm. they were already bent. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, oh, it was the first shuffle. That's a bummer. Well, it's also like the first game, the first production of the game. So maybe they don't want to spend too much on it. That and I have to also add that although it's a little disappointing, I also do understand it because they did a really good job of keeping the price affordable. Yes. We buy a lot of board games and they're expensive. Like some yeah. of them are 30 up to $50 just because True. they're licensed games. So I I do understand. I think the main reason I'm like stressed about it is because I already know we're going to be playing it a lot. And I'm like, if they're already bent on the first night, imagine yeah. how we're going to have them by like a month from now. Exactly. Um. Okay. So final thoughts, $20. Would you recommend this game? Is it a must have for the Halloween season? I would a hundred percent recommend this game. Um, this is something that I thought of um, a few minutes ago. The game is so small that it can go in like your backpack so you could take it with you easily. Yes, it's the size yeah. of a thick book. Yeah, I mean, we have Monopoly and a bunch of other games and they're really even the horrified box is really big. That's true. But That's the Hocus a good point. Pocus box is really small so you can, you know, let's say you're in college, you can take it to the dorm or to lunch and just play with your friends, you know? And something we said, too, is that the second time we play this, we're definitely going to, like, set the mood with, like, the candles and even make, like, a witch's brew drink. Like, you can really make a fun night out of this. Yeah, you can make a fun night out of it, for sure. If you're getting ready to really, like, host a party and make a night out of it, I would recommend getting acquainted with the rules ahead of time because it can set kind of like a, oh, we have to figure it out, never mind type feeling. Yeah, because when you have, like, parties, you're going to... Uh, you might easily just give up on it. It's like, eh, I don't want to play this game. Let's yeah. just watch the movie. But if you guys want a video, we yes. can do a tutorial <laughs> we for can you. do a tutorial. Skip all that craziness. That'll be part of your party, an introduction to There you party. go. Um, yeah, so my take two is I highly recommend it for $20. I, was, I had low expectations for it because I was like, it's just going to be a poorly thought out game put with hocus pocus branding on it Mm -hmm. it was only twenty dollars um the pictures didn't entice me i had really low expectations but the game really pulled through and as a hocus pocus fan you guys know it's my obsession i was really really impressed with it and i really appreciated the amount of detail that went into the names and the spells everything about it so you can safely say that ravensburger knocked it out of the park and made uh Hocus Pocus fans, happy? I definitely think so. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. So now the moment we've been waiting for the entire episode. I hope that we've really got you guys in the Hocus Pocus mood now because this was really special to us. But before we play our interview with Amber, we want to give you all the spooky details so you can understand what a big deal this is. 
So the way a Lego idea works is Lego has a website called ideas.lego.com and you could submit your idea and then 10,000 people have to support the idea within a certain set of timelines and milestones, uh, which is a total of two years, I think. So pretty much if it gets the 10,000 people and it goes through the Lego experts, it gets a proof of production and the creator gets to sign autographs for their fans at the official Lego idea signing event. Now, I am no expert, but I think it's safe to say that Amber's Hocus Pocus idea pretty much exceeded Lego timeline expectations. Considering Lego gives you up to two years, her idea reached 10,000 supporters in 35 days. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I remember. So actually, quick little backstory. I saw this idea when she first posted it in the Leaf Raker Society group. Like, first week she posted it, it had like... I think 200 supporters in it. And then I saw it pop up on the Ghoulmates feed again after I had shared it like a month ago and it had reached the 10,000 people. Wow. I was like, wow, that was fast. But it's not surprising because it's really well put together. Right. So here's the details of the set. The Hocus Pocus Sanderson sisters cottage represents the moment when Max Dennison lights the black flame candle and it consists of about 2,700 parts, and it includes the cottage, Billy's grave, and custom-made minifigures with their attributes. It cannot get more detailed. I think it's safe to say that she is the ultimate Hocus Pocus expert. She didn't miss a single detail down to a custom-made spell book that has the actual spell used to turn Thackeray Binks into a cat on it. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, so the set can be customized to look like the 1993 Sanderson Museum or the Sanderson's home as if it were 1693. Wow, that's insane. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, we just can't keep you waiting any longer. We will now play the interview so you can hear all about Amber's inspiration and details behind the Hocus Pocus Lego idea. And now, let's give a gooster welcome to Amber. Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, first off, we wanted to say congratulations on reaching 10,000 supporters. Did you ever imagine it was going to happen so quickly? Uh, no, I, I never thought it would happen so quickly. I even doubted the fact that they would ever reach the 10K supporters. So I was super happy when it happened. That's awesome. I'm sure that you were pretty excited we were all excited and rooting for you as soon as we saw it <laughs> thank you so i think we're all dying to know what inspired you to create this lego set well uh just my love for the movie i think um i've loved this movie ever since i first watched it when i was little um and yeah when i saw the movie again i think in the beginning of june and i saw the sanderson sisters cottage I was like, I need to set in my room and I need to build it myself. And it just happened really quickly. And I just made it because I really want this in my room and I love this movie so much. That's awesome. So have you uh, always really been into Legos or what's your background with yeah. Uh, Legos? Yeah, I can't remember a time without Legos. Um, my parents bought me a huge box filled with just random bricks uh -huh. when I was little so I could make my own stuff and... Yeah, I didn't really have sets, but I just like the fact that you can make whatever you want with the random bricks. So I really love that. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I've never been into Lego, so it's pr- really interesting hearing your story with it. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So to share with the audience, uh, I have actually shared with the audience that the set includes minifigures and attributes. Uh, what mm-hmm. all is included and how did you decide which things to include in the set? Well, I almost included every character from the movie, I think. Well, the most important ones, uh, because I think this one might just be in one piece set. Uh, so why not include everyone? Um, I included um, the three witches, uh, so Winifred, Sanderson, Mary, and Sarah. Then Max, Danny, and Allison. Then I also included Emily and Thackeray Binks, also Binks as a cat. So I also included the two bullies, Eyes and Jay, and Billy uh, the zombie. Oh, that's cool. And they all have their specific uh, attributes, uh, such as Allison has a, a salt. Uh, is holding salt like in the movie Uh, Mary has a vacuumer I just wanted to give everyone something that is theirs that you know is theirs that's awesome and very thoughtful (laughs) thank you um so as I mentioned I don't really have experience with Legos and so when I saw Mm -hmm. your pictures I actually thought that you built the set like with actual (laughs) Legos um so I was wondering I think I heard that you had actually created it digitally digitally so do you want to talk to us about the process and how you created it uh yeah sure um I made it on with a program uh studio it's called uh from Bricklink it's a free um designing program with every Lego brick ever I think uh, in every possible color so you can just literally make everything you can think of in that program, which is really nice if you don't have the bricks as I do. Um, it was a little difficult to to get a hand of the program, but yeah, after a while it was all right. Oh, that's you get awesome. used to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how long did it take you to complete it since the moment you started it? Well, I'm not really sure, but I think the main building about twelve hours, but. Uh, after I had the main building ready, I adjusted uh, things every day since I uploaded it because I wanted to make it perfect and give every fan what they wanted and, and more minifigs. And yeah, just I think in total about 24 hours, maybe. Wow, that's really yeah. fast in my opinion. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like to work fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're like me, I'm a perfectionist too. Um, um, yeah. So what's the next step in the process? What's what's next from here? Well, now you just have to wait. Um, the reviews start the 7th of uh, September, I think. Yeah. And then it can take about four months for Lego to tell you if it's a yes or a no. So I can just hope. Yeah, it's a yes. <laughs> and I produce it in real life. So to just to clarify, they don't start reviewing it until September? Uh, yes. Oh. Uh, well, that's what they say. Maybe they already looked at it. I don't know. But uh, I had an email that they started the reviews where my um, design is included, the 7th of September. So okay, I'm that's not sure, so but that's what they told me. I'm sure you're very anxious about it. <laughs> yeah, super anxious. <laughs> so this is a Halloween podcast and we are obsessed with Halloween here. And um, mm-hmm. we actually made this episode all about Hocus Pocus for you. So we were wondering if you would share what your favorite scene in the movie is. Oh, um, I I love most of the scenes because it's really one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. But 
my favorite scene is where Winifred uh, has lost her book and she's saying goodbye to the world and goodbye to the book. Oh, yes. uh, I really love that scene. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a great so scene. so overreactive. Yeah. <laughs> and who's your favorite character, did you say? Binks. Definitely the cat. Aww. I also named my cat Binks in real life. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Did your heart break when he got run over by that bus? Oh. Yeah, the first time, well, actually, every time it still hurts, but you know, it's he's still alive. But yeah. A part of you is like, oh, no. <laughs> the part yeah. that always gets me is when Danny at the end is telling him, uh, and then our kids are going to take care of you and then their kids are going to take care of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you're part of the League Breaker Society and you built the Hocus Pocus set. So is it safe to say that you're an all around spooky girl who loves Halloween year round or do you really just love the movie Hocus Pocus? Well, I really love the movie, but I also really love Halloween. Um, yeah, I really love decorating too when, it, when it's uh, around the Halloween time. But I gotta say, it's not the same as in America, because if you see the movie, it's like everywhere Halloween and then trick-or-treating. And in Belgium, it's not that much. Okay. I mean, it's just decorating and almost no one trick-or-treats anymore. It's really sad, actually. But a dream of mine is to go... To, um, trick-or-treating in america someday with my kids if i have them Aww, i really look forward awesome. to that that's really sweet i didn't even think about <laughs> how halloween might be celebrated over there so is, yeah, it's really different is hocus pocus it's, popular over there um well almost none of my friends have watched it wow. but um i think it's just some people that really watch it every year or so and some people that absolutely that never heard about it so i don't know i really don't know some people just are like, oh, my God, yeah, Hocus Pocus. And other, other people are like, what? <laughs> so that's so interesting. So how did you come across the movie when you first saw it? Uh, I think my mom just showed it to me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't remember the first time. It's <laughs> oh. forever, forever did, ago. <laughs> did you see it in a theater or you saw it like at home? No, I was at home. I, I, I was uh, really young. I, if I have to guess, around five years old when the oh. first uh, when I saw it first. So I really don't remember, but I think I was at home. Old videotapes. Oh, okay. That's awesome. So I have to say that uh, I read through your entire idea page, and I was mm -hmm. so impressed by like how creative and strategic your idea was. Like to include the information okay. about the thirtieth anniversary approaching, and how the set would appeal to not only hocus pocus lovers but also people who just love haunted houses and Halloween like I work in marketing and I just really admire how perfectly you put together your proposal for the idea because thank you you kind of gave like a business reason for them to produce this and obviously 10,000 people agree so I just really wanted to tell you that I am so amazed and excited for you because just your entire proposal was so well thought out and I wanted to thank you so much thank you for that it's really sweet <laughs> you're welcome thank yeah, you for making sweet. it i'm gonna be so happy if it goes into yeah production. no problem I, I made it with love <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't already come across this spooktacular set you can check out the amazing pictures on our instagram at the ghoulmates and be sure to follow amber at the ambrinator t-h-e-a-m-b-r-i-n-a-t-o-r for the latest updates on her idea Amber, thank you so much for joining us. And we're really hoping that you win in September. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I really, really hope so, too. <laughs> great. We are sending you great spooky vibes. Thank you. <laughs>
All right, guys, that was our interview with Amber. We just have to take another moment to say thank you so much to her for being our first interview on our podcast. It was an absolute pleasure. We really enjoy talking to her so much. She's so sweet. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you guys get a chance, go uh, check out her stuff, support it. Let's see if we can get that on the shelves. I think that'd be an amazing Lego set to own. Definitely. We will be the first ones to buy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the show's not over quite yet, guys. We did post a picture on our Instagram and Facebook of us looking totally spooked. And we promised we were going to pick our favorite answers to air on the podcast. So here they go. Rotten Glam said, my guess is someone walked in and said Halloween is canceled. That's pretty terrifying, but we refuse to let Halloween be canceled. <laughs> yeah, Halloween is never canceled. It's always going to be in this household. For sure. And our other favorite on Instagram was from user Mademoiselle Michelle. She said, door slams from wind. Kaboom. Mademoiselle. <laughs> And it turns out that a lot of you all are starting to get to know us because we had quite a few answers that were about our little monsters, but our little monsters could never spook us. That's true. They, are never, <laughs> they spook my heart, though. Definitely true. <laughs> all right. So as you can see, we love hearing from you guys and we definitely want to keep in touch over the next two weeks while we are on break. So be sure to check us out on Instagram at the Ghoulmates. Talk to us. Let us know what you're thinking. We're also starting to post a little bit more on Facebook. So if that's your preference, by all means, hit us up on Facebook. And that is a wrap on season one. That's a wrap. What? Uh, it's been such a great time and we absolutely cannot wait for you guys to see what we have planned for season two. Be sure to tune in on August 28th. Until then, we are sending you goals and kisses. Bye. Bye. Oh my god, please tell me I am not the only one who had like all the feels and emotions after hearing an older TGM episode. Ugh, it took me right back to our quarantine days of me and Rudy in our apartment with our little baby podcasting setup. Ugh, not gonna lie to you guys, like hearing the old setup is like a cringe for me because we have worked so hard to get the sound where it's at now. Those were the good old days though, guys. Ugh. Anyway, I did want to say that it was crazy hearing that because I used to dream of the Winifred statue so much and I actually got to see it at Freeform's Halloween Road. So dreams do come true, Goolsters. This all goes back to last week's episode talking about how, you know, I got to live my spooky dreams last Halloween and that would have never happened without this journey. So that's just that alone is like proof for you guys hearing me talk about it on the podcast of dreaming of that and seeing it come true in just two years has just been insane and I'm so grateful. All right, so before we get into Bloody Bingeworthy, I did have some Hocus Pocus sequel thoughts to share with you guys. I asked Ghoulsters, what are your predictions for the sequel? And Lalik said, the sisters get defeated for good, but I hope not, end quote. You know what? I kind of feel like this might be the case because, of course, the actresses are getting older now, so I don't know the likelihood of us seeing another one. So I'm feeling like it'll probably be more of a like passing the torch to some new witches versus 
keeping them around, unfortunately. Oh, it's making me sad thinking about it. And then S. Izun said, we meet a new familiar or animal that can speak like Binks, end quote. Oh my God, that would be so cute. But how would you even top Binks? That would be a very tall order. Curious to see if it's true, though. Okay, and then Hiking with Grace said, the girl whose birthday is in the trailer gains her witch powers and fights the sisters, end quote. Yeah, that's what I am thinking is going to happen. But another thing, too, is Master has a prediction and hopes that the sisters are actually going to be like antiheroes, where they actually like team up to fight a bigger bad thing. So I'm curious to see how that part plays out. And then Halloween is my happy place said, this isn't really a prediction about the movie, but I guess it's performance. So she said, the numbers for viewing in the first week are going to be crazy, end quote. Yes, guys. Okay, so for me, like something being epic and breaking records has to be like when the Game of Thrones season finale was happening and viewers were actually like breaking it on HBO. Do you guys remember that like, so many people were watching it that like the system was crashing I feel like for something to be that like groundbreaking that has to happen again but then I also don't know if it's just because people are so more like services are just much more prepared now especially because of COVID and that anticipation so I don't know but I feel like if anyone's going to do it it's going to be Winifred (laughs) okay and then there she glows said there she glows again said I feel like they'll have to address being older by not getting as many children to eat end quote okay yes I have to agree with this I don't know if I have said this before and I feel bad for saying it because no judgment at all but I have heard some people say like oh my god they don't look like they've aged a day they look the same and I personally do see the aging and it makes me very sad like not in a judging way but just more like oh we grew up with these these characters and seeing them aging just means of course they're not always going to be around and so I don't know if they're going to address it but I'm also very curious to see how they're going to restore them once they do eat children and like get their magical selves back the way they did originally in the first Hocus Pocus. So I don't know. There's just so much to look forward to and see how it plays out. Okay. And then Argato the Familiar finally answered some questions because I got on him about it. I was like, you have such great insight. You need to start responding some more. And this one wasn't the place for like tons of response, of course, but he said, won't be as good, LOL, end quote. I promise I'm going to get more out of him when we cover a horror movie next. Uh, and then to, I guess to the contrary side of that, Monica Galman, who is probably the biggest diehard Hocus Pocus fan that I know, she said, even if Hocus Pocus 2 sucks, nothing can tarnish the original, in my opinion, end quote. I think that is such a great thing to say because so many people are like skeptical and hesitant that this movie is going to ruin it. But hey, For those of us who want to enjoy it and we do like it, great, let's enjoy it. But also, let's all remember that the original cannot be tarnished and it's always going to live in our hearts rent-free, like Fallen Halloween said. Okay, and then I thought the timing of this was so great because I posted these questions like a few days before the official trailer came out recently. So NBC Lover 1993 said, I just want a prequel. I had so many questions as a child when watching this, end quote. Okay, this is great because if you have not had a chance to see the official trailer, we do see a scene 
of a pre like a prequel scene of the Sanderson sisters and you guys they did such an incredible job with casting like of all of the things I have seen about Hocus Pocus about any spooky franchise honestly seeing that scene was wow I really feel like they shouldn't have even released it in the trailer honestly because it would have been such a magical like oh my god breathtaking surprise to see in the actual film for the first time but they nailed that casting so well like bravo to Disney for getting that right and I can't wait to see how much of that prequel we get and also kind of wish they would have just made the prequel movie like our ghoulster suggested okay and then to wrap things up one of our ghoulsters did ask me a question and I wanted to share it with you guys so Samantha ESP asked are you making anything special food wise for the premiere end quote ah okay guys in a perfect world in like I said in a perfect world where time is endless, I was really hoping to launch this episode with a companion TGM video as I have been doing in the past for some of the videos. Um, I really wanted to do a video with a very specific recipe that I have been wanting to make for Hocus Pocus. I don't know when I'll get around to doing it, but I'm hoping that I can do the video for you guys before the premiere or for Halloween season. But long story short, I will definitely be making stuff. Um, I guess I will just tell you guys that my dream is to make the brownies that look like the books. I have been wanting to make those for two years now and I still have not made them. So I'm really hoping that I get the chance to make them this year. So they're brownies with the design of, of course, the spell book on it. They look really simple to make. I am horrible in the kitchen, so I'm really hoping that I'm able to accomplish that. But if not, it'll still be a fun video to do for you guys to see me fail in the kitchen once again. Um, and then outside of that, we did have a Ghoulster Hocus Pocus themed uh, Zoom party back during quarantine. And I had like pretty much did like an entire set for Ghoulsters to just like get all of the vibes. So I'll be sharing those pictures again because I think they can kind of spark some ideas for you if that's what you're looking for for the premiere because it's going to be a total vibe. Make it a costume party. I'm going to see if I can do that with my ghouls here in Denver. And I think that about wraps up our very summarized thoughts on Hocus Pocus. Let me know if you guys are interested in doing another Hocus Pocus episode in the near future covering all of your thoughts because I just want everyone to feel like they, they had their chance to speak about this movie. So please let me know how you're feeling about that. I guess now it's time for the moment that I've been waiting for. If you're not binging with us, then you can't sit with us because it's time for Bloody Bingeworthy. If you are joining us for the first time, this segment is at the end of the show so that those who decide to binge Spooky TV with me can hear me fangirl over the latest episodes we watched. You can always find what episodes are coming up in the show notes. This week, we binged The Vampire Diaries Season 3, Episodes 1 through 4. According to IMDb, the summaries read, It's Elena's 18th birthday, and as she searches for Stefan, Damon tries to keep her from doing anything that might draw Klaus's attention. 
Damon and Alaric reluctantly go along with Elena's new strategy to find Stefan, leading Damon into a dangerous fight with an unexpected enemy. Klaus and Stefan arrive in Chicago, where Stefan is reunited with a vampire who hasn't really moved on from her interest in him decades earlier. In a flashback to Chicago in the 1920s, Stefan comes face to face with a shocking chapter from his wild past. After Damon gets a tip on Stefan and Klaus's whereabouts from an unexpected source, he and Elena follow their trail. Back in Mystic Falls, Tyler is concerned about Caroline and turns to Sheriff Forbes for help. Still in Chicago, Klaus enlists the help of a witch called Gloria to try to discover why his plan is not working. Gloria's spells reveal some intriguing glimpses of the truth about the truth, but she soon realizes she needs Stefan to complete the puzzle. Back in Mystic Falls, a new enemy pushes Damon over the brink with devastating consequences while Caroline struggles with her own emotional issues. Whew, that was a lot, guys. Before we get into my thoughts, I also wanted to say welcome to our new bingers because a few of you have reached out to me to let me know that you are joining the binge because TVD moved to HBO Max instead of Netflix. So I'm so sorry if anyone who was watching on on Netflix now no longer has access because you don't have HBO Max. But I did hear there are some new bingers in the house. So welcome. I am so excited to have you guys here. (laughs) Okay, so we learned what the Ripper means. Finally, guys, I was not expecting Stefan to really kill Andy. And I know she was compelled, but I kind of liked her. And poor Damon is now 0 for 2 with girls that you can tell he actually kind of cares about outside of his stupid love affair with Elena. And, okay, when Tyler and Caroline finally got together, mega yay. If I could, I would, like, scream really loud, but I don't want to ruin the podcast sound, (laughs) okay? Uh, This is something that really surprised me. I know for sure I never liked Tyler in the past, and I'm kind of digging him now. I love, love, love this relationship so much. I love that Caroline has this confidence she never had in the past. And I love how Tyler kind of is very alpha with her, but in all the right ways, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And I love that he quickly figured out something was up with his mom and Caroline. He is a clever boy too. And speaking of Caroline, I can't believe how horrible her dad is and how cringe is it when she calls him daddy. Care Bear, just no, don't call him daddy. No, no, no. Okay, and can I be honest with you guys for a second? I'm not here for the whole Stefan turned off his humanity and Elena isn't giving up on him storyline. Snore, snore, snore. Like, quit whining over Stefan and have fun with Damon already. I said what I said. But I am enjoying seeing this other side of Stefan and also learning his history was interesting, especially the part about Rebecca. Okay, so Jeremy, guys, I don't know how I feel about this Anna thing. Why do I get the sense that she is also up to something sus? And also, this is so confusing. I liked Anna a lot, but also he's with Bon Bon now, and this is all getting very messy very quick. Also, it kind of hurt me when Damon was like, stop trying to turn me into Stefan. And I'm kind of annoyed that Rebecca ratted Stefan out that fast. Like, come on, girl. Your brother had you locked up and desiccated for years. Be better. (laughs) All right. That about wraps up my thoughts. I feel like that was very passionate and I got to like bring it back down now. (laughs) 
Okay, so just a reminder, you can always check your Ghoulster homework for the week in the show notes to find out which episodes we'll be binging for next week's episode. And if you're wondering how you could be one of my lovely co-hosts, like I mentioned in today's episode, you can follow the show on Not Another Spooky Podcast to participate in polls and questions for upcoming episodes. We have finally reached the end of this long and magical episode. I hope you guys enjoyed going back in time as much as I did. If you did, let me know. You never know what else is hiding in the TGM vault. Just a quick reminder that our practical magic watch party is coming up on the 25th and the first episode of the Spookworm Club is officially out. You can hear me fangirl over Long Live the Pumpkin Queen. You can unlock access to the watch party and the bonus episode by becoming a paid subscriber for only $4.99 a month at the link in the show notes. I hope you guys are feeling super excited because we are covering all my favorite movies this spooky season. This was just the beginning. So until next time, sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye.